give my Anamodana, rejoice in the goodness of everyone coming up for the, the chanting tonight. It was good, everyone gathering together, chanting loud. So we can see that the harmony within a community leads to happiness, and the unity of a community leads to success. With Ajahn Chah's way of practice, that uh, he emphasized this, that the monks should all do things together and do things in a timely manner. So when I was staying at Wat Nambapong, uh, three o'clock we'd all come out for the chores. And the chores were quite difficult back then. Mostly it would involve uh, drawing the water from the well. So we'd have to pull the water up and then filter it and then pour it into jerry cans and then we'd take it around the monastery to different places. So we'd take some water to the bowl washing area and some for the salas, the pools, for foot washing. And then also some to the communal bathrooms uh, where the monks would take showers and use the toilets. And also for the personal bathrooms of the senior monks. And so we would all help together in doing this. Um, so we'd all come out at three and start. And, but I myself would carry on until six. Uh, because after a few hours, a lot of the other monks would start kind of going back. And um, there'd only be a few of us who would carry on until the end. Every head shaving day, there'd be a lot of work that we would spend most of the day sweeping the entire monastery grounds. A lot of work on those days. And um, occasionally we would also clean the salas, we would sweep and uh, mop the salas. Uh, and that would also be on um, the day before the lunar observance days. Because on those days, on the lunar observance day, on the one prap, there'd be a lot of lay people who would come to the monastery and use the halls. So we'd clean them up beforehand. And then when, when I first came to the monastery, uh, the Yubosot, the ordination hall, it wasn't finished yet. Um, but then when that was finished, we would have to clean that occasionally as well. The monks who had the duty of looking after Lumpucha, um, we would also have to clean out his kuti as well. So we would use coconuts, husks, to clean the floors because water wouldn't go so well on those floors. They were kind of a bit too rough and sticky for water. Lumpur Liam, he would lead all of the work. He was um, very hardworking back in those days. And then occasionally after um, the work, just every once in a while, we would just get some cocoa as a reward. But um, there wasn't all that much to go around. So we'd all be sitting there, and a few months would come around with, with kettles full of cocoa and then pour out the, the cocoa into our cups. We figured out pretty quickly that there wasn't kind of enough to go for two full rounds. So a lot of us ended up by getting quite large cups, so it would be enough for just the one round. And then in the morning, uh, the chanting would start at 3 a.m. and then we'd sit meditation until 5 a.m. and then get ready for arms rounds. And by the time we'd set up the hall and got our stuff ready, uh, it was just dawn and just perfect timing to go out and arms. 
And so things were pretty difficult back then at Wat Nambapong, and it's very simple. And when we first established this monastery, Wat Napjan, things were pretty simple here as well. Um, but they slowly developed. At Wat Nambapong, there wasn't any running water to the cooties, but um, here we do have running water. And so we've got water in the bathrooms at our cooties, and it's very convenient for us. Initially, we brought electricity into the monastery to pump the water. And then later on, we brought electricity into each of the, the huts as well. And this originally was for the purpose of the monks studying the Naktam exams, the Dharma examinations, that um, they had to read the textbooks until late at night. So they needed electricity to do that. And then when we got lighting, then soon after that, there were electric fans and things slowly developed in this manner. Initially here, the kutis were very small. They were just 2.5 by 3 meters. And, um, you know, you'd, you'd sit in the kuti and look to the left, look to the right. So it was kind of nothing to look at. So you'd you know, it would feel very small and cramped. So people would just feel like going out and doing walking meditation because you wouldn't really want to be inside the kutis. But now they've got larger and, um, and things are more convenient and more easy. And this convenience is probably the cause that you know, monks don't really want to leave their kutis these days. And they feel very happy and at ease in their kuti and they don't want to go out and do walking meditation. So this issue of things being easy and being relaxed is very important because if things are difficult and if they're arduous, then that makes us put up a fight and we learn how to fight. Before the evening chanting, it used to be in the Salapo, uh, but now we've moved it up to the, the Ubersod after the Ubersod was built. And so there's an extra walk up the hill that we have to do to get there. And also we've bought that extra land in the orchard. Uh, so the monks who are living there have quite a long way to go to get to the evening chanting. But we are Kamatana monks. You know, we're monks in this forest tradition in Thailand. Um, so many of us have been on Tudong. We've done these walks through the forest and through the countryside. And um, we know what difficulty is like having done that. You have to struggle against the cold, struggle against the heat. And many of the monks here have been to very cold countries, and so we've had to, to, to deal with the cold there. We've also put up with the hot season here, and maybe gone out on these long walks, um, these Tudong walks, uh, during the hot season. So you, you take your bowl, and you take your other requisites, and you have your blot, and you're carrying everything, and you, you just have to walk. There isn't any shade. You just have to, you know, be out in the sun the whole day. And even though we have umbrella tents, we don't use them for shade. So, you know, you just, just walk out in the sun and it's, it's very hot. Monks who have done this, they know that they have to endure a lot. And they've developed that faculty of endurance. And some monks, they choose not to wear sandals either. So they have to endure a lot um, when they're walking out in the sun. So the monks who stay at the top of the monastery, it's very easy for them to come to the evening chanting, but it's more difficult for them to make it down to the morning chanting at the bottom. And then the opposite, the monks that stay at the bottom, it's more difficult for them to come up here during the evening. 
But you know, we, we use those opportunities as times to meditate. So when you're walking up to the, the evening chanting up here, then you don't just walk you know, like normal people do. You, know, you, you take that as an opportunity to do walking meditation. So stay with Buddha, stay with mindfulness. And that's an extra 10-15 minutes that you get to develop your hearts. And the same when you walk back to the Kutis as well. Use that as an opportunity to develop mindfulness. And if we can take things like this, then our practice will develop quickly. And also food is another important issue. And some people are very attached to flavors. But we should take things in a way that's just right. Now take just the right amount so that when we've finished eating, there's nothing left. And also don't be picky about what you, what you take. But on the other hand, you do have to choose things in line with your health. So, you know, you, you take the food that won't make you sick. And so it's probably not possible for us to just take some of everything. You do have to choose a little bit. But choose things in a way that's appropriate and make sure that you do finish everything. As you're taking the food, then have awareness of who's behind you and who's ahead of you, and awareness of how far they are. So if there's kind of like monks jammed up behind you and the monk in front of you is far away, then that means that you're taking food too slowly, and that's not good. So you need to then speed up. <clears throat> and you shouldn't make your friends wait like this. And the senior monks, they also shouldn't use their seniority like that either, you know, to make other people wait for them. Back at Nombapong, um, the policy that Ajahn Chah had was that you'd have to wait for every single monk senior to you to start eating before you could eat yourself. So Ajahn Chah would start eating first, and then the monk next in seniority to him and then the monk next in seniority, and it would go down like that. And you have to wait until the monk, just senior to you, uh, started eating before you yourself were allowed to eat. And so this is a way that Ajahn Chah made us show respect for each other, that he emphasized um, respect for seniority. And so there was once a time that there was a monk who was senior to me, but he was the same reigns and we were staying in the same monastery together, um, but, but we were good friends. Just after we had received all the food, um, he would sit in meditation, and he would just sit there very still, you know, with this, this smile on his face, and he just wouldn't eat. You know, the, the monks were senior to him, they started eating, and he would just sit there, just smiling away. So this happened that day, and then it happened the next day, and it happened the day after that as well, and Eventually, I asked him what, what he was doing, like why, why wouldn't he start eating? And he said that he felt full already, because he was sitting there in samadhi and all this, this pity, all this rapture was coming up, and he just didn't feel like eating. Um, so Ajahn said, well, isn't it possible to sit samadhi after the meal? You know, it's, it's time to eat now. So the next day, I said to him, well, you know, if, if you want to sit in meditation, then go ahead and do so, but you know, can I eat anyway? So I asked him for permission first, so you know that showed that I wasn't showing disrespect for him. Um, 
but he was a good friend as well. But he, he started going a bit strange. He um, started taking the sun as his meditation object. So he would um, sit there focusing on the sun, using that as a casino uh, meditation object. And then he started getting into these kind of occult practices and some getting into some magic as well. And then there was one day that he set fire to his pillow in a sleeping mat. Um, so Ajahn Chah said that he was going to go crazy pretty soon. And uh, it turned out that he did lose his senses in a bit. Um, <clears throat> so he, he went mad and he didn't know where to go. So he ended up by finding me in Ajahn Beek at uh, Lamdukhat Monastery. Because he just didn't know what to do. And it was a pity because he was actually really um, sincere in his practice. But this is the danger of going off the, the standard path of practice. You know, the things can often end up like this. And also, back when I was staying at Wonnambapang, I was one of the monks who was charged with distributing the food to the other monks. And there was one day that there were 20 bags of soy milk that were offered, but there were 40 monks sitting there. So I thought that, you know, if I gave all of that soy milk in line with seniority, then none of the junior monks would get any. And the policy of the monks in charge of handing out food is that we shouldn't be biased. So what I did was that I handed out uh, one bag of soy milk to two monks and made them share it out like that. And in that way, all of the soy milk was able to reach every single monk, was able to reach the last monk in the line. But some of them, they didn't take the soy milk that I gave it to them. Uh, but they didn't take it in a way that was it was kind of like they were giving it up for others. They, they didn't take it out of anger. You know, they, they were a bit annoyed with me because they were probably thinking that, you know, why, why don't you give me one whole bag myself? Um, that, you know, I'm a senior monk now, and when I was a junior monk, I had to endure with not getting a lot of food. So, so you know, as a senior monk, I shouldn't have to put up with this. But the dharma of the monks in charge of distributing food is that we shouldn't be biased. So I had to give it out in a way that it, it reached everyone. And also, if there were certain items of food that just a little bit of it was offered, and I knew that it wouldn't reach the last monk in the line, then I wouldn't take any of it for myself. And I knew that if I did take it for myself, I just wouldn't be able to swallow it. So I, I sacrificed it, and I, I gave it to the other monks. I didn't have any for myself. And so when we're taking the food, then we should be observant as well. And we should try and see well, what's, what items are likely to reach the end of the line and what aren't. And you'll notice that the food that most people like, it often doesn't reach the most junior monk. So like durians, now it's durian season and there's a lot that's offered, but often it doesn't reach the end of the line. And there are some monks who ordain temporarily. Um, and they're here for a month, but they don't get to eat even one piece of durian. There's not one day that it reaches them. And so this happens, and well, we still expect them to have respect for the senior monks. You know, they're, they're probably, the junior monks are probably thinking, well, you know, these, these senior monks, they just eat whatever they want, and they have it all easy, and 
but then I have to go and wash their bowl afterwards. You know, and these these monks, they, they don't have any good qualities to them. They're just full of desires. It's possible that the junior monks are thinking like this. I was thinking that it'd be good to organize things in the way that the food did reach everyone. So on the days that there's a lot of food, uh, we'll split the food up into two different lines. And in that way, it should average out so that the good food reaches everyone. And also, you know, we get to train in giving up, you know, maybe some of the food that we like. If the line that we pick it doesn't have certain items that we like, then we give that up. And uh, we do that in a way of developing matter towards the other months. But if there really isn't enough food in one line, or if you're feeling sick, then it's okay to pick food from the other line as well. But it's necessary, no matter what, to eat everything that you choose, to eat all the food that you put in your bowl. So I rejoice in the goodness of everyone coming up here together. It shows that you're all intent, you're all sincere in being here. For the morning chanting, Ajahn Somchai will lead that on some days, but every day Ajahn Lucid will be there and Ajahn Dan will be there. We have to train ourselves to be strong now, because if we don't train ourselves like this now, then when we're older, we just won't be able to take it anymore. We'll just get weaker and weaker and we won't be able to keep these practices up. And then the next generation will get even more slack. So we have to try and hold up these standards of practices to try and keep them now. And so everyone be sincere and 